0: Hello, everybody, and welcome along to another of these Italian football podcasts brought to you by Total-ItalianFootball.com. I'm here, sounding a lot worse than usual, I'm sure, and I will just apologize at the top to all of the listeners, because this is probably the most improvised podcast we've had to do in all the time we've been doing this podcast. I'm not in my usual surroundings. I've not got any of my usual equipment, so the microphone I've got today are just AirPods. Kev Puglielski, you're not in your usual surroundings. The microphone you're using is not your usual equipment. We're recording on a completely different thing, which is why I had to redo the restart or redo the intro because I didn't get the usual countdown, so
1: I didn't know what I was doing. Hi, Kevin. How are you? I'm good. Yeah, I'm, I'm here in Tallinn, Estonia. Uh, Stace is trying to sleep <laughs> just a few yards away. So, yeah, her usual uh she's here at least that's about the only thing that's familiar for me
0: good luck stace i'm, I'm sure that's gonna go so well for both of you in like, however long we're doing. so with that in mind this podcast will probably be a little bit shorter than usual we've also got vito doria the only one in familiar surroundings but for whatever reason our new technology today is not allowing you to use his usual microphones, so we all sound very different but it's only this week we'll be back to normal by the end of the week listeners we promise you and that'll be true for the patreon pod of the the Mash day 38 preview but anyway vito hello
2: hello connor yeah i've planned my trip for after the football season so uh, i definitely wouldn't want to be recording outside of my surroundings
0: that is a lovely little dig at both Kev Pugzelski and Ewan Burns. <laughs> and I am exempt from that dig for reasons that you guys know and the listeners won't. But we will probably spend most of this podcast talking about off-field issues in Serie A, given the news that Luciano Spoletti has, has confirmed what everybody suspected: that he will be leaving Napoli at the end of this season. I still can't quite get over it, even though you kind of knew it was coming. But before we get into that, we will just run you through all of the Serie A. Match day 37, so close. Results, it kicked off on Friday evening. Sampdoria that's what i 2-2. Then on Saturday, Serenitana beat Udinezic, 3-2 rather. Torino beat Spezia, 4-0. Fiorentina came from behind late, late on to beat Verona, or to beat Roma, 2-1. And then Inter-Atalanta played out a, a rather chaotic game at the Miasto, and Inter won 3-2. There were 2-0 up inside, three minutes there in a scandalously bad start from Ladea. But then on Sunday, Verona Empoli was 1-1, Bologna Napoli was 2-2, Lecce secured survival with a 1-0 win in the, was it the 100th minute? At Monza, that was great. Lazio Cremonese finished 3-2 and then all of the fun finished before Juventus and Milan played out a a stinking game in Turin, which Milan won won 1-0. But we're not going to talk about any of that from the start, Kev, because we're going to talk about the news that Luciano Spalletti is off. He's come to Naples, he's conquered Italian football, and he said, that is enough, I cannot do any more, see you later. What are your thoughts on that one?
1: See, I think that's quite a nice way to go out. You know, particularly with a club like like Napoli, where yeah, you know, let's face it, none of us predicted them to probably even be in the top four this year. So it feels as though Napoli is a club where things can turn sour quite quickly, and they they were they were quite sour to start with. He had the the mm-hmm. complaints uh, his his role, I suppose, in their summer spending and and what the expectation was of him this year and. To actually, go out on top with them lifting the Scudetto next week at home in the final game of the season. Um, and that he's not, you know, he's not jumping ship and taking money elsewhere. He has confirmed that he's gonna, you know, take a sort of a sabbatical, take a year off, and he probably needs it after leading a club like Napoli to, to the title. So, you know, to go out on the top, I think I, I don't think it would bother me so much, particularly his age. He's probably got more life in him as a coach, but he is, he's at the the, the latter end of the coaching spectrum.
0: Yeah. I, I mean we were all amazed when we worked out how old he was. I think we all thought he was a little bit younger um when they finally did win the scudetto and all these statistics came out about how he was like the second oldest coach to win the first ever title or something. There were there were a lot of quite bizarre things, but I get what you mean about it being nice from today out. And I did say to somebody, maybe even on one of our podcasts after they won the title, that if I were him, I would leave because it cannot get any better than that. And Vito, it does seem like he's kind of taken that similar line of thought that he is aware of just how good last season was. And there's an awareness that it it probably can't be that good again.
2: I was one of those people that did not predict Napoli to finish in the top four. My prediction was that with the stalwarts that had left, that they would finish fifth and this was going to be a transitional year. If anything, the Parthenope have just blown everyone away, dominated the league like very few teams have. And uh, the other question that needs to be asked is how much of this team is about to be retained. Another one too would be, how can Napoli add to this, depending if uh, Cristiano Giuntoli stays on as sporting director or if he goes as well? For Spalletti, he's done something that's amazing. Uh, this is the crowning moment of his career. And like Kev said, you know, it's probably the best time to live because at least he's leaving, <clears throat> excuse me, on on a high. Whereas after this, really depends if this form can be sustained or if they'll just drop off a bit, and it really depends on who else takes over from here, if Spalletti's replacement can maintain some sort of winning form domestically, or possibly try to do better in Europe. However, I think it's, uh, I think this whole sort of 16 to 20 point deficit, uh, I think that's going to be extremely tough to replicate, regardless of who takes charge now.
0: Yeah, it is it's gonna be like I I don't like using the word, but I think I'd go as far as to say it's gonna be impossible for for Napoli with or without Spalletti to to do this again next season. There there is quite an interesting quirk of this campaign, Cap, which we, we got carried not carried away, but maybe we did get carried away actually, um, with a lot of the things that were being said when it looked like Napoli were gonna win the the earliest ever Scudetto. They were going to break this record and that record and this other record, but if Napoli win their last game of the season, which they probably will against Samp, sorry Vito, um, they'll only finish on 90 points, which is fewer than the 91 that Maurizio Sarri talked up on the board when when Napoli didn't win the scudetto that year. And I thought,
1: I don't know about you, that caught me off guard. I think they they secured it. So early, or you know maybe not mathematically, but they've also not really had a contender you know they pushed Juventus so hard when they sort of got to those ninety one points so that's you know that that's arguably what push, pushes um juventus Juventus so far if you look at it if you if you replicate what what Manchester City have done the last few years it's only when they've had a sort of legitimate contender that they sort of hit record points holes. And, you know, you've probably seen that in, in, in a few other leagues that I can't think of off the top of my head. So I think it's part out of circumstance that Napoli haven't had to sort of, you know, they've been able to sort of stroll to the end of the season. And, and you know, the players will be tired and they're going to, they're going to, you yeah, know, whether it's consciously or not, probably take their foot off the gas a little. And, you know, some of them will have international football that they'll want to take care of.
0: I threw to the wrong person there, to be honest with you, because I, I wanted something short and snappy while I found other quotes. But I, I asked you, and I, and I know you like to talk, but I actually wanted to add this next part to you. <laughs> because there, The quotes about Celeste finally confirming his, his departure are quite interesting. So I did just want to get both of your reactions to it. So he said that sometimes you leave because you love too much um, or because there's too much love. I asked myself if I would be able to give back to Naples what Naples deserves, if it will be possible to give it what it deserves, that greatness that it gives to you. And the answer was no, I cannot give them that and nothing will change my mind. I'll miss everything about Napoli, the the camp, the, the retiros, the, the matches. Um, but I told the club a few weeks ago that I need a year off and I'm I'm not going to work for a year. I'll need a rest, despite insisting that he doesn't know what sabbatical means. He, he was reluctant to use that word for whatever reason. But, Gav, what are your thoughts on that reasoning? Do you, do you buy it? Do you see where he's coming from? Would you do the same thing? Uh,
1: I don't know if I'd do the same thing, but I'm not sure I'm ever going to have the aptitude to be a top level coach, and I think my time's. i gone.
0: I'm sure that you're um, not going to have the aptitude. To do yeah, that.
1: But you never. You never know. You know, strange, strange things happen. Like, I think, I think mean, with. Naples uh, and there's probably a few other examples around the world where it is a one club city. I can understand, you know, the whole love too much, you know, and, and he can't re- you know replicate that love, you know. He's he's coached in other other parts of Syria where there have been two clubs. So, you know, you've got people that hate you as much as love you whereas as this has become uh, a sort of foregone conclusion, I suspect. <laughs> The amount of pats on the back he's got, just trying to go out and get some shopping, has probably been a bit overwhelming. Um, you know, there's only so much sort of praise you can you can take from people before even that becomes a little tiring. As much as people think, oh no, you know, you'd love to be loved by everybody, it's it it, it does it smothers, it can smother people, and um, it, it sounds as though it's maybe smothering him a little.
0: There is something like that. There's, there's quite often in football a very very fine line between love and hate. Too. and it's very easy for that to just switch and for things to go quite dramatically wrong, like look at the career path of my friend and yours, Mr. Jose Mourinho like all of his former gloves he pretty much is the most loved man in the world and then starts to fire pisses <laughs> off for a while so I I can very much see why he's doing it, I will miss him in Serie next season and then Where he rocks up next, Vito, I have a sneaky feeling he's probably got half an eye or more than an eye and a half on the Italy job after Mancini. Uh,
2: Well, put it this way, I think with uh, Spalletti, yeah, I think taking a year off would be great. Um, At one stage, there were rumours of him being with the Juve job, but I think that would have been a more painstaking job for him, considering that the Bianconeri would have to rebuild. So it made me think that if he wanted to stay in coaching, it would have been better off staying at Napoli, maintain a winning side and stick with a group of players he already knows instead of trying to rebuild something somewhere else where there might be more difficulty. Uh, the idea of Spalletti being the Italy job, to be honest, um, I wouldn't mind that at all, actually. I think with him... We know what type of football he plays. He has the one formation. And in terms of the talent pool between what Italy has now in the senior squad and the youth teams, I think that his formation would be pretty adaptable. So regardless if he goes 4-3-3 or he's preferred 4-2-3-1, I reckon he would have the personnel to play that type of football and he would have a way to make it work. Um, I think in general would just be with the defence. But I think with the wide positions and even with the number 10 role, I think he'd be good. It's just more about finding a lone striker because you've seen with Mancini, he's had to pull Matteo Rettegui out of Argentina pretty much out of obscurity because he's at Tigre at the moment. But I think Spalletti, if he was to take over the job, hopefully more Italian-born players emerge and he can bring the best out of them.
0: the the Juventus rumors are funny because he's got a tattoo now, hasn't he? And he got a tattoo on his forearm if you've not seen this. The Napoli crest and the the Scudetto with the number three on it. There is not a chance that man will ever, ever work for Juventus in any capacity because he can't now. (laughs) He can't. He's ruled himself out of that job and a couple of others with that tattoo, I'd imagine. But at 64... I'm sure he'll take it. Um, Kevin. Thomas. That was a test because I could see you were reconnecting for a minute. Um, We should probably move on to Serie A, shouldn't we? And the most obvious place to start is sorry with Juventus nil, Milan 1. Olivier Giroud got the game's only goal. And this result was largely inconsequential because of what had happened with, with Inter and Atalanta, meaning that Atalanta couldn't catch Milan, but Milan are in the Champions League now, so we've got the top four seconds. We've got Napoli, we've got Lazio, and we've got the two big Milanese boys. Um, is this more of a positive for Milan, or is it more of a another bitter blow in this disappointing end of the season for your
1: I think it's more a positive for Milan. They've, you know, they've come into this season as reigning champions. They've had a absolutely rotten run, um, or certainly inconsistent uh, domestically, as, as much as they'll take some pride in reaching a Champions League uh, semi final. But I think even that's soured by getting knocked out by your sort of bitter cross town rivals. Whereas, if Juve's season has been inconsistent or Let's say topsy turvy for on and off the pitch uh, issues. So they're kind of just—it's a little easier for them to write this season off, whereas though I think they'll—they'll they'll be still a lot of regret for for Milan, their players, Pioli. Um, that you know the, the qualifying for the Champions League will will soften ever so slightly, but um, yeah, they've got they've got to have taken this more positively than, than Juve I think, because. Ten days ago, we were probably thinking that there was going to be a lot more riding on this, even though we were waiting on the points uh, points appeal, second coming, whatever we call it. Um, Chapter two. Of how many chapters we had tonight, Uh, I see. At least three. (laughs) Let's be honest, at
0: least three. But these are Milan. This is exactly what they needed, isn't it, to have that? that next season of Champions League football confirmed because they're probably going to need a bit of a rebuild this summer. I don't think they're going to be like starting from scratch, but there have been pretty credible reports that they're going to be selling 10 first team players. There's not 10 key players, but there's players like Andy Rebic in that list, like players who have a part to play at the club. And when you're in the Champions League, it's obviously easier to find better players.
2: Oh, indeed. And at least, you know, there'll be more prize money available, at least, you know, by participating in the Champions League than in the Europa League. So you would think that Paolo Maldini and Ricky Massara would have, um, you know, a bit more money to spend and they can see what the expenditure is. So uh, there'll be... A few parts of the team that will definitely need looking at. And I think depth issues are the obvious ones. So you see now that Rabic is no longer an option to be second fiddle to Lau Leal. Leal has just eclipsed him. Uh, the defence, Kaye is not getting any younger. And I've said my piece about Matteo Gabbia enough times. Uh, without Manyan, they do struggle a lot in goal. Tataru Sanu is another one who I've just rubbished on this pod in the past. And then up front, um, Giroud is an age. He's been great in the last two weeks, but a club like Milan needs someone more consistent up front. Uh, Ibrahimović, I think maybe he should just go into the entertainment industry and retire from football once and for all. And Origi just has not cut it.
1: So there, there was a couple of things I saw uh, online. Firstly, Milan fans losing their minds that they're only going to have a budget of around 70 million euros, even with you know the squad players that they're they're looking at losing, because you know the, the fans are rightly saying you know that's not going to buy you a lot. but That's that's if you're competing uh sort of continentally, you know, because they're comparing that to what you know pr- largely Premier League sides. You know there was can't remember if it was Milan, that was outbid by 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 Bournemouth or somebody this summer, sort of 35 million and a player went there, but you know. That, that's fine, but you're not competing. You know, first and foremost, you're not competing continentally with with sides in the Premier League or even the PSGs. But you need to you need to be able to com- compete domestically. I'm not sure sort of 70 million would do that for them. The other thing I also saw was um, suggestions that Marco and Altavich might go and fulfil that oh, in Brehimovich's role, um, and that was one that just made me just made me chuckle that he'd go in and sort of fill that. Um, Veteran, yeah, well, I suppose Giroud's filling the veteran striker slot, and Arnautovic would just fill the uh ageing. Yeah, 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 probably, yeah, which that Ibrahimovic is doing at the moment. Big boots to fill, but if anybody is capable of filling them, it's big,
2: well,
1: yeah, big, bar, e- big, big ego to fill if he's oh. if he's capable of filling anything, it's the ego that would be left when uh, Ibrahimovic finally walks away. Yeah,
0: for all of Ibrahimovic's for for Benny all Holmes. of he's
1: annoying,
0: he has like his return did change so much at that club. Like off the field, he has done so much at Milan since going back, and out of it would be able to do more than Ibra on the pitch now because Ibra's never on the pitch. But don't put him in any dressing room. Come on, come on. Me, man, do better. Do not let that man have a Champions League contract and don't do it to yourselves because you're hitting the self-destruct button by adding him to your dressing room. Just ask anybody in the opposite dressing room across the hall um, who, who might remember his time at Inter. But... Oh, good God. I hadn't seen those rumours, Kevin. You kind of ruined them on Monday evening. Um, almost instinctively said Sunday, but of course it is Monday night that we're here talking. So let's move swiftly on to another thing that upset me over the weekend Vito, Inter at on to 3 2. And this was them feeling their Champions League return ahead of a Champions League final. Yep,
2: yeah, at least they've got that insurance, if you like. So. They're definitely in the Champions League next season, and based on the way they played, uh, they played with uh, a lot of confidence. So hopefully, for the final round of the season and the Champions League final, they can utilise that. You can see Lula combining again. They're looking, they're looking fantastic. Brozovic is hitting form again, and uh, I think all round they're just playing very well. I think, you know, with uh, Atalanta, they still don't look like themselves, although that goal, well, was credited to Onana. But the way Muriel hit it at the end, it just Mm. brought back a few memories of, you know, when La Dea were at the peak of their game and Muriel and the rest of them were in excellent form. But uh, the Nerazzurri, I think, were definitely... Showing that they were more capable of winning than just the one goal.
0: Yeah, I'm slightly disappointed from Muriel because I have a feeling, had that been credited to him, it would have been his last goal for Astalanta because he's, he's likely to move on this summer. And, like, it's been a stinking last season from there, but he brought so, so much joy to that club when he, in his first probably two seasons there. So it would have been nice for him to to have that. And for it to have been a result changing goal too, so it would have been all the better, but it wasn't to be. Um, I think we need to focus on the bottom of the table because I'm gonna hold my hands up here and say there's a new rule in Serie A this season that I didn't know existed until
1: this week. Again, yeah. if you're laughing along, did did you fall victim to this as well? Well I cause I sat I saw the last fifteen minutes in a bar in talent, so then I put out, Oh, that's that's pretty because like, late employee equalizer. I said, oh, that's pretty much it, you know, because the head head-to-head, so it's, you know, 2-1 up from one of the games. Uh, and we discussed it on a previous pod, because yeah. I think we were all talking about we needed an extra column on the league table to sort of tell us where yeah. we were placing people. But, uh, you know, and then somebody jumped in and went, oh, yeah, no, there's a new rule. And it's like, oh, well, thanks for making that, you know, really obvious for everybody. But
0: do you know what makes it so... so for, the, for the listeners who are listening, head-to-head rules over goal difference in Serie A as a tiebreaker. So if two teams are locked in the same number of points when the season ends, what decides who finishes above is their record when they've played against each other. So I was looking up Verona Spezia head-to-head records the other day, and I thought, okay, um, Spezia have, it. Spezia have the head-to-head, so they're both level on points, which means Spezia just needs to match Verona's rules last day of the season, and Spezia are safe. But no, because there are two positions in the Serie A table where head-to-head does not apply. And that is to decide who finishes first and who finishes 17th. So you can miss out on the Champions League on head-to-head, but you can't miss out on a title by head-to-head. So if first and second or 17th and 18th are level on points when the season finishes, there's a playoff a one on play off a <laughs> neutral venue. So, now I really want and ombron at the finish level because this is just something completely new. They've, they've not had playoffs in Serie A since, I think it's 2004, but I had no idea this was in existence. And the fact that it only applies to those two positions in the league, that irritates me, but it reminds me that we're talking about Italian football, and it's the most Italian way to implement that.
1: I think it better room. than head-to-head,
0: to be fair. Yeah, I get what you mean. But, but also, that's what the head-to-head is. The head-to-head is literally the games they played against each other. Why do another one? Head-to-head is there to eliminate the need for a playoff. I, I don't get it. I, I get why you might want to do it for a title because yeah it's fun, isn't it? But Jesus Christ. Like come on. We don't need it, do we? But I want it. Now that I know it's possible, Kevin, I want it.
1: Yeah, I'm well I'm just trying to think because they're quite they're quite close as I'm looking north to south in on the Italian map. I'm just trying to work out what's in the middle where they play it. <laughs> you yeah. know. I have an so, idea. Mm. Hi.
0: Hello. Um, I would suggest Parma. However, Parma are in the Serie B promotion playoffs. So I think the Tardinian might be occupied. I don't know when they're looking to play this game. But it's got to be Emilia Romagna, doesn't it? Or Milan.
1: Yeah, I'd, yeah, you could do it. Milan is there. But yeah, I I'm imagine Milan are one of those places where almost as soon as the season finishes, they've got that set up yeah. for concerts and things. Um, Reggio
0: Emilia is always good to go for things <laughs> like the, the map is just like yeah we'll we'll host yeah. everything underage internationals yes women's cup finals yes anything you can put it at the red after at the, at the, at the mape and red drift. so take that just a little train ride
1: what well, i'd really like well now I'd, I'd really like it if uh it was like france and germany where you have like a a playoff and the like third place team in Syria to like because the, then you could have a playoff for the to finish eighteenth and then they've got to have a playoff as well. So
0: oh, well, 10, can I interest you in a couple of articles that will tickle that very need because setting up this season was a bit of a joke by the end because we basically in the last two match days had two relegation playoff which basically Samp played Parma and the loser got relegated just because of the way the league finished Parma lost Parma got relegated then Samp played Pomigliano and the loser got the relegation playoff and Samp won that so Pomigliano got the relegation playoff so now Pomigliano will play the second place team in Serie B so we've got that and it's been it's been absolutely bonkers and it's been so good So, listeners, if you do want to keep up with that, we've got a women's football podcast that Mr. Ewan Burns, um, roles have reversed this week. He's in Italy and I'm not, which is odd. And I don't like it. And he's a rat. But we'll be recording that at some point before... I'm flying back on Thursday, so probably Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, We'll record that and it'll be up. Or otherwise, head to total com, And along the top, there's a little menu thing, you can click the women's football section and there's loads of stuff in there for you to read Um, Kev, are you about to jump in or can we move on?
1: No, no, you can move on because my connection is
0: dying slowly on on this pre-playoff playoff we've got Milan hosting Verona and Roma hosting Spezia there's every chance that both of those teams get a result because Milan have Champions League wrapped up and Roma will have come off the back of the Europa League final.
2: Yeah. Excuse me. So, I think in these cases, the two teams that are deciding the relegation spots, uh, they'll have a good chance to fight for it. So, and not only that, in matches like these, historically, Verona have managed to beat Milan. So I think it further adds to the narrative too, especially Verona emerged with a victory against Milan. So that would definitely spice things up. Uh, as for the whole playoff concept, I find that amusing. But I suppose hey, in Serie B, they've been doing the playout for some time and Cosenza and Brescia are doing it in Serie B now. So maybe oh, I like said, I thought...
0: Vito, just on that, um, I just want to bump in and say that Corsanto beat Brescia one 0 on the first leg of that. Yes. Player. So the the Bresciani are on the episode,
2: Gee, fingers Cross. Mm, it's possible. You're laughing at the Rondinelli fans, and I'm just I'll just be laughing at Chalino, you know, you think he's gone <laughs> from Leeds United to Brescia and now this. Oh, amusing.
0: It wonderful. I did really, really enjoy the Cosenza fans who were sat or stood beside the away fans in Calabria last week turned to the Brescia fans and started singing Atalanta, <laughs> it just made me very, very happy there's a friendship there now I don't know if there was one before but there definitely, definitely is now but um, um, well, let's move on, shall we? what else do we need to get to? This week, to be honest, I don't know if there is all that much. So I'm just going to run through the scores again, Kev, and you can pick up on whatever you want to. Samp, Sassuolo was 2-2. Salernitana, 3. Uganese, 2. Fiorentina, 2. Roma, 1. Bologna, 2. Napoli, 2. Montanil, Lecce, 1. Lazio, 3. Krobenese, 2. What do you think?
1: Uh, well, I think the Roma collapse was quite funny, but you know, again, because they rested so many players, it, it's yeah, you take it with a pinch of salt. Um, I also find I think it's quite funny that Ewan's going to be at a wedding when Roma are playing their European uh, final, so uh, he's he's completely out of luck with having to go to Italy and then probably not get to watch it.
0: I can't remember who the person is that's having this wedding, but that person needs to be spoken to because they've they've wow. taken him away for the last two weekends of the season and a European final is in there as well. And it's the Coppa Italia femminile final, the same day as the last day of the Serie A men's season and the last day of the Serie A Femenile final season was the penultimate day so whoever's done this wedding I want to be left alone in the room with them for five minutes
1: well I, I wondered if it was uh Lautaro Martinez for a moment because he put his pictures up he got married today and I thought I was I was scanning it for for Ewan to be sort of there but I think that he got married <laughs> in Lake Como and I think I think Ewan's in um Lake Garda but I do believe it's on one Garda, of his good yeah. lady sisters so um, I doubt he could have got out of that even if he tried
0: yeah I think he should have pretended to be sick to be honest um, I'm looking for a tweet because I know oh, he's sick you were he's talking, talking about sick about as a dog <laughs> you were talking about Roma resting players I did see a tweet and I know who tweeted it but I can't find it but I know the sentiment anyway it was you've had this fan called Lex on Twitter and <laughs> he tweeted that I bet Dybalo's been fine all along
1: and Mourinho's just playing games before the Europa League final. <laughs> Ken, wouldn't be surprised, would you? No, no, no. So he's just uh and he's probably not even told Dybala though.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, you know, he's just uh you know, just getting everybody at it. But we'll find out on uh Wednesday.
0: No. We we will and he'll be he won't die. So come on after an hour and be as stiff as he's ever been and turn the game around, whatever is happening at the time. Vita, are there any other things that you want to raise? Because I, I think we're we're going to wrap things up here.
2: Not a big deal. I think, you know, at least with Lecce winning it so late with that Colombo penalty and Guttick uh, getting a save penalty by Falcone, I think that's decisive. That's something. So at least Lecce are there for another year. But I must say... It probably got sealed later than it should have because last two months they've really dropped off. Otherwise, it's been a reasonable season from the Salentini. Uh, Salernitana Udinese would be more amusing if there was something on the line because I think there'd be more to talk about Udinese dropping a 2-0 lead and then Salernitana coming back. Um, but like this, it doesn't stand out as much. And then Lazio Cremonese... I think just more superlatives on Sergei Malinkovic-Savic. I mean, the guy can score goals like a striker, but he's a box-to-box midfielder. He's still one of the most complete midfielders in Serie A. And, yeah, to pretty much save the Aquile against Cremonese, I think another game in which he shows uh, his quality and what an excellent player he has been for the last few years for Lazio. On the Lecce goal, I
0: and. Mean, I'm falling I'm into the Italian shop and to say Salvestre, salvation Salvation. Um, survival of Lecce in, in Serie A for another season. Another tip of the hat to Patrick Kendrick because he produced probably the most magnificent bit of Serie A commentary all season. Quoting Salentino dialect as he commentated Lorenzo Colombo's goal saying L'Ussule Lumare and Yentu referring to something that I said down there about the the wind, the sea and the sun that is typical of that particular part of Salento. And it was just magnificent to the point that a lot of Salentini picked up on it and it's it's going viral in Salento and he's he's been doing interviews with people down there. and it's, It's wonderful. It's bringing a smile to my face now, just hearing it going around my head again, but absolutely top notch commentary. Once again, but that will do it. We will be back on Patreon.com slash Total Italian Football. I've got to be honest, listeners, I don't know when this week, but the Women's Football Podcast will be up. And then we will have, what will we have? The Saturday Preview Podcast as well. It's a really, 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 really disastrous week for everybody. Um, So I'm not sure if we're going to be able to get a reaction pod to the Europa League final. But if not, We'll work something out next week in some way. We'll do something. We'll find we'll find a way to do something, but this week it's just not gonna happen, unfortunately. Uh too many things are happening at once, but I'll do it. Kev say goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. Please don't say goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye from me, and it's goodbye from well not from Jumbrain, because he's not here. the